0: episode 231 Sarah Losey podcast host and author of the upcoming book open this book
1: that weekend in a tattoo shop and I walked out with I had asked for an airplane and it looked a little bit more like a
0: I'm Mark Rabin this is my favorite mistake Look for links in the show notes or go to markgraven.com slash mistake 231. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. Our guest today is Sarah Losey. She's the founder and president of Favorite Daughter Media. It's a creative agency dedicated to helping mission-driven businesses and entrepreneurs use what she calls their outside voices. Um, She is the host of a, a podcast where she probably uses her Indoor voice podcast voice we're going to hear in a second. That podcast is called Branded, and you can find it listen to branded. dot com. So, Sarah, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing?
0: I'm I'm doing well. Um, I, I don't I don't mean to discourage anybody from using the voice they want to use to tell their story.
1: I, I only I only really have an outside voice. <laughs> I I grew out of my inside voice many years ago,
0: and 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 I I, I think I had misread when we had first talked. I didn't flub this in the intro, uh, President of Farmers Daughter Daughter Media. <laughs> even though I stumbled over trying to say that, that would be that's a different upbringing.
1: <laughs> that yeah, that one's not quite. No, some uh, someone made made that mistake recently and it made me laugh. They fixed it before we continued, but I had to let my dad know that he has been. He's no longer a cop. He is a farmer.
0: <laughs> and and it, it would probably be a mistake to ask you why your designated favorite daughter. That's a um, different show.
1: I would ask my parents. Don't ask my sister. <laughs> <laughs> a, that's a story for my therapist.
0: Yeah. And I am not qualified or licensed. So um, I'll ask <laughs> you the question that I'm barely qualified to ask and and talk about here. You know, the different things you've done in your Uh, career, Sarah, what would you say is your favorite mistake?
1: So I, when I was about 22, I took a solo trip to Ireland and the trip itself was not a mistake. It was an amazing week. I explored, I met new people. And on the final weekend of this trip, I spent about 12 hours bar crawling through Dublin, as one does. And it ended up with me and someone that I met that weekend in a tattoo shop. And I walked out with, I had asked for an airplane to kind of commemorate this uh, this adventure. And it looked a little bit more like a penis. Oh, no. So my I'm favorite mistake. I'm sorry to laugh. I'm sorry oh, to laugh. Oh, please laugh.
0: That too.
1: Please laugh. Uh, my favorite mistake is I accidentally got a tattoo of a penis during a solo trip to Ireland.
0: Wow. Well, that's a new one for the podcast.
1: Really? I thought I thought I was like one of many. There's <laughs> no ac- that, accidental maybe, phallic tattoo club?
0: Maybe from that shop.
1: <laughs> oh, I would not um, be surprised. I even tipped the guy like 10 euro and they don't even tip in that country. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so tell me, gosh, the I say I've never had a tattoo. I've seen this depicted in uh film or or TV I mean and uh, I I have to ask it maybe an indelicate question of where that ta- uh, so it's, it's on my forearm it's on your forearm
1: yes uh very visible um if this is a video um also podcast uh, y'all can see it right now it has been covered up so you don't have to blur it out or censor it it now looks very much like an airplane there's a a red kind of postage stamp behind it just to add a pop of color but yeah for 30 days i walked around with what looked like a penis on my arm because that is how long you need to wait before you can cover a tattoo
0: so since it's on your forearm so back to the question and now that you you've you've shown us the 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 current state of it you're you're watching this As it's happening, or you've been Mm -hmm. drinking for 12 hours, but how how closely are you paying attention as this is developing?
1: See, the thing is, I say it's 12 hours into a bar crawl, which was absolutely true, but I'm not a big drinker, and I drink very slowly, and the people I was with wanted to get to as many pubs as we could. So I would have about a fourth of my drink, and then they'd be ready to move on, so someone else would down mine. So I was actually completely sober for this experience, which I usually don't tell people because somehow it makes me sound worse, <laughs> but no, I, I don't know if I, I gave him the airplane I wanted and I don't know. So if you he showed just, a picture. Yeah. He printed it out and everything turned it into a stencil. And I think maybe in the process, he wiped some of it away and then tried to freehand it and it did not look like an airplane anymore.
0: So when did you notice that it wasn't looking right? Oh,
1: I mean, as soon as I, I mean, as soon so as he was finished.
0: How how how, how do you ha- I mean how did you handle that that moment? Um
1: I I don't like confrontation and I like if I'm getting my nails done you could cut my finger off and I would not be able to tell you that's not what I wanted. So I said thank you very much. I tipped him 10 euros. And I left and died internally. But thankfully, because I mean, this is my favorite mistake. At least the story did have like, I want to say had a happy ending, but that just with a penis tattoo, that sounds terrible.
0: We have to mark this as an explicit. I'm so sorry. You just
1: (laughs) lost your clean writing
0: episode. I'm Um, so sorry. Well, I mean, so it goes. Not a mistake. (laughs) So don't we do all kinds of episodes here um, on the podcast. So um, before I ask more questions about the tattoo, I mean, uh, it's a favorite mistake because it's just such a, a unique story then?
1: It's actually, su- very surprisingly, the story that changed my entire career.
0: Mm. How so? I, yeah.
1: So I got the tattoo at 22. And at the time, I was in kind of a dead-end job. Um, I wasn't happy uh, where I was. I was living in Maryland and kind of miserable. And I had just gotten out of a really bad relationship. And I took the trip as kind of like a way to take time to myself and kind of find myself because I was actually supposed to go to Greece to get engaged. And I canceled that kept the deposit and put it towards going to Ireland by myself. And I end up with this tattoo, but then I get home and I have kind of like a different outlook. I feel more confident. I feel more brave. I'm able to acknowledge that where I am in life isn't where I want to be. And I don't feel like settling anymore. So I actually uh, quit my job. I moved down to Texas, which is where I live now. And it has just been this constant reminder that I was terrified to go to a new country by myself, but I did it. And I loved every minute of it. And even though I'm like in these cities surrounded by all these people, I felt so alone, but almost in a good way. Mm -hmm. So that meant I wasn't afraid to move to Texas where I didn't know anybody. I wasn't afraid to quit my job and kind of roll the dice, get rid of the job security that I had. I accepted a job in an industry I was unfamiliar with and ended up falling in love with it. Like I launched a company. So all of these things that I did kind of came back to that one experience that taught me that I can do things that scare me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it never really clicked that that was what started it until... I got invited to be on the Stacking Benjamins podcast to tell that story completely by accident. I was trying to get the CEO of my company on the show, uh-huh. <laughs> but the Cihai, the host had said, I don't need an expert. I want someone with a cool story. And I just blurted out, do you want to hear about the time I got a tattoo of a penis while I was in Ireland? And surprisingly enough, he did but the way
0: he (laughs) can't turn down that offer to hear that story. Yeah. yeah, He
1: just looked at me. He's like, yeah, you're on the show, which was not what I was going for. But the way he walked me through telling that story had me focusing on the value behind it and the things that I learned. So what used to be just like an embarrassing story I would tell at a bar turned into this journey of self-discovery and, like how I became brave and it just changed the whole trajectory and now it's the basis of the company that I run the work that I do and I'm now so engrossed in the podcast world that I never thought I'd be in
0: and so even though it required um some fixing a little bit the tattoo required some cosmetic surgery the Mm -hmm. fact that you have it is that reminder if you hadn't had the notion of uh Going and getting a tattoo, maybe making the mistake of not researching tattoo parlors. I mean, you oh, just, no.
1: It was the number just, two I, rated tattoo place in Dublin.
0: Okay. My mistake I, for assuming.
1: My mistake for assuming that could be trusted. <laughs> 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 they were highly rated. I think yeah. they just didn't like tourists.
0: Mm. I mean, so, I mean, it was probably, I mean, so you, you're you're not thinking it was a passive, aggressive, intentional Bang on their part. You would never know. You
1: never know. It is not the last time I got a tattoo on a trip. It's become a kind of a tradition for me. But the next one I got, I did they did have to talk me into it a little bit because I told them that story. I showed them the before (laughs) photo and she had said, please let me tattoo you so you don't think all European tattoo artists will do that to you.
0: Um wow. So, final thing, just related to the tattoo before we mm-hmm. move on talk about podcasting and 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 other things that you're doing these days. um, what was the reaction when you went in to have it fixed? Oh, Tell my goodness
1: well, first of all, my parents didn't know about it until they heard the episode of sacking Benjamin's um because I was trying to make it as secret as possible, but I sent an email to the tattoo parlor that I went back to get it fixed that. Cause I'd already gotten um, a tattoo there. So I trusted them and he, he draws up some options and everything. So I walk in for my appointment and as soon as I walk through the door, I just hear what up penis plane. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm glad my yeah. reputation precedes me. Yeah. And then I sit in the tattoo chair for, I don't know, it probably took an hour. It was, it was nothing crazy. And there's someone else in the chair next to me getting something done. And they spent the entire time, just the three of them, the two artists and the other customer, just making fun of me. And they made it clear that if I was happy with the tattoo, they would not make fun of it. And they would just pretend it didn't look like a penis. But because I was fully aware that it was very embarrassing, they were allowed to make fun of me. (laughs) Which I can't wow. blame them. Yeah. It was bad.
0: I mean, there's probably this whole sub industry of people who are really good at fixing bad tattoos.
1: If anyone needs a simple cover up, have fun, be lucky in Baltimore. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if Josh is still there, but he did mine. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, um, tell us about your work. So, you, you didn't name the company. I'm, I'm assuming you didn't go by the domain name penisplane.com. Like, no, it was taken. Much. It was taken. I <laughs> probably don't just enter that into your browser. Probably yeah, no, you're going to get some
1: weird pilot kink something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I chose favorite daughter because uh, kind of just as an homage to my father because. I I am his favorite. I am fully convinced of that. My sister will say otherwise and he will say otherwise. But regardless, my relationship that I have with him is my favorite. And he has supported me in exactly the ways I've needed him to support me in. Um, And that has been really impactful on me. So I named it for him. But I mean, I'm the favorite. I'm the baby. I had to, I had to get it legally named so that my sister can't argue it anymore.
0: <laughs> um, so how did you, Sarah, and again, our guest is uh, Sarah Losey. Um how, how did you get into podcasting and doing so in a way where it's not just, there's so many podcasts where friends, people are just gabbing. you know, doing a uh, podcasting in a way that helps your business as, as I, I hope doing a podcast about a penis tattoo helps my business. <laughs>
1: I'm, if, if after this, you go out of business, like, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> this is just the one that, bring, that takes you down. Um, so I had been producing a podcast uh, for the company I used to work for, for a few years. And when I went to the conference and went accidentally went on Stacking Benjamins, that got me wanting to start guesting on shows. But... Seeing, especially coming from the finance world and seeing financial advisors and financial professionals wanting to use podcasting and be podcast guests, I saw how really badly people could do it Mm. and how there are really good and bad ways to be a guest. Mm -hmm. And so when I launched my company uh, earlier this year, I did it with the goal of teaching Uh, people, no matter what industry they're in, how to be guests on podcasts so that it can be used to build your business and build your brand and can be used as a marketing tool, but isn't used as free ad space and isn't taking advantage of the host um, and still creating great content.
0: So I was going to ask you about you know common mistakes. What are mistakes that you you coach people to avoid? Mistakes, hopefully, I'm not making when when I'm a guest. It sounds like from what you said, though, one of them is coming on and just being quote unquote salesy as yes. opposed to being a good guest. Tell tell us tell us about that or like where's the line? Like if, if you say okay, no, gosh, that's too much. You need to you're making a mistake.
1: Yeah, you definitely want to avoid a sales pitch at. Um, basically at all. This isn't a chance to sell anything. This is a chance to form connections and build trust and prove yourself as an expert. Mm. And then from that trust, people will then want to reach out to you and find out more. So you can use it as a way to create leads without it being like, okay, now hire me. And I've seen people just, they give the price list for their services. And like, that is extreme, but (laughs) then there's also the people that are like, oh yeah, you can learn more about that in my book. Like, okay, but that means I have to buy your book. How about you tell me something, like give me something valuable right now, and then maybe I'll want to buy your book. Right. So it definitely is a fine line. I usually say like, you're not trying to sell your services. You're trying to sell yourself. So focus on the value that you bring and the expertise that you bring. And the rest, if you have certain systems in place, like lead magnets and emails and all of that, the rest kind of falls in place for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, rather, I mean, you you can make. a guess it's fine to make some sort of offer, like, hey, get a free chapter from my book or something that you're, you know is uh, in exchange, maybe for contact info that you can use. Then hopefully not in an immediately you know obnoxiously salesy way, but build yeah. kind of. Um, taking the next steps in that marketing relationship, if you will.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's where your call to action becomes so important. So when you're planning to go on podcasts, you want to figure out what that call to action is going to be. So that lead magnet, whatever it is, whether it's download a few chapters of my book or get my newsletter, whatever it is. You have that set up, so at the end of the show, every host says, "How can people learn more? Get in touch with you." You can just send them to that lead magnet.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've interviewed a lot of authors in in different podcasts, and I'm not going to name names, or heck, I don't even remember, you know, handful of people who will do this, where, where you ask a question and the answer is basically, "Oh, that's in the book." Mm -hmm. and then not a whole lot else is really said i'm like well like there's no way in a 30-ish minute podcast that we can possibly cover everything that's in the book so i i would say please like oh answer the answer the question and if you answer the question well sure people might then later read that story in the book but like that I think that's that's a mistake that hopefully people would avoid the whole I'm going to avoid the question because, well, I I don't want to reveal it because it's in the book unless it's like a spoiler, you know.
1: Yeah. And the people that are going on podcasts for books, they're usually not spoilers like this is very much for like those business books, the how to books. Um, I'm sure there is an industry that does like the fiction books, but they're not going to ask you for the spoilers. (laughs) They're going to want your stories behind how you came up with everything. So it's so rare that it would become a problem that you share something from your book and you're not in 30 minutes, you won't have time to read the entire book. So you're not at risk of getting rid of all the value your book holds. Right. So give us something. I'm not going to buy your book just because you said so. I need to hear you talk about what it's about and make me believe you're an expert and believe that you have value to share with me. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just not telling me anything, why would I believe you?
0: Yeah. So there's mistakes somebody might make during the recording, but kind of stepping back um, a step, you you, you talked about trying to get on a podcast. Mm -hmm. As a podcaster, I get pitched all day long. Um, but let me turn it to you as a question. I'm like, what are some of the mistakes that, that a guest or someone working on behalf of a guest might make when proposing somebody to be on a podcast?
1: And responses. I have gotten the insert show name here. Emails.
0: Yeah. Dear name.
1: Uh-huh. Dear name. I loved your insert title here. Podcast. And your latest episode, when you said this quote that was on your cover image, like there's so many people who just go do as little as possible, basically. And a lot of times it's probably those big pitching, um, like agencies that they're working on a dozen clients at a time and they don't take the time to really personalize everything, but it's like if you're going to apply for a job, you're going to alter your resume and your cover letter. This is the same thing. You're applying to be on the show. So do some research. Know your know who you're talking to, know the topic. And when you're pitching to them, do some of the work for them. Like you don't want the host to have to figure out, okay, if I want to bring this person on, what would we talk about? Mm-hmm. That's what you're pitching. You're pitching here, here's a topic I love to talk about. And um i could hit on these really key points let me know if that's of interest to you right so that all they have to know is like okay that sounds like my listeners would be interested that's on brand for my show i'll bring them on
0: the generic emails with the the clumsy copy paste or if i don't know if the term the phrase mail merge is still used but i i got one the other day where it was, there was an attempt to make it seem personalized. I'm like, Hey, you know, I've been listening to your podcast since it started in, and this is a different podcast that I'm referring to. It said July, 2006, which is accurate, but like the text was literally a different color. So it just jumped out as like, yeah, yeah. that's That's not authentic. Um, so, For anyone
1: listening, if you hit Control-Shift-V, <laughs> it will paste without formatting. Yeah. So you can avoid that problem, but also actually do your research. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and then I saw that mistake because um, I just chuckled and hit delete. But then come the incessant. And this is all automated, right? Mm-hmm. The automated follow-up emails that are some form of you know, passive aggressive to just aggressive, aggressive of like, basically like, Oh, um, you don't know the movie. Do you know the movie fatal attraction?
1: I've heard of it. I haven't seen I'm it. I'm
0: really dating myself by that reference. Um, and I, I haven't even seen the movie cause I was a kid when it came out and it would have been inappropriate, but I, I kind of know some of the key scenes and it's, um, the, the, the character I think yells something, like, you know, I will not be ignored. And some of these emails kind of have that tone. Yeah.
1: See, I i mean, I spent a g- good amount of time in public relations and we say to be pleasantly persistent mm-hmm. and be pleasantly persistent, but emphasize the pleasantly. Right. And this isn't a, excuse me, why haven't you answered me? It's a, oh, I know you're busy. This probably got lost, but uh-huh. I just wanted to circle back. Like there That's are fine. ways to be pleasant,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but no, I'm the same way. There's so many that I don't even respond. I just hit delete because- you didn't. You obviously just didn't put in the time to, like, think about what my show is or who the host is or anything. So I'm not going to put the time in to, like, respond.
0: Yeah. And then I think there, there's a, a subset of mistake when the follow up doesn't ref, doesn't include the previous chain of emails. So like normally that's the case. I'm like, okay, I can see if I scroll down, this is the fourth time they've followed up. Okay. Um, But there's some of them that say, oh, I just want to make sure you saw my email. And then there's no context. I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just going to hit delete.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to take the time to search your name in my inbox, try to figure out which email you're talking about. If I don't know who you are, I've gotten pitches from people that I know. And they're either recommending themselves or a colleague or someone in their network. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I know this person, like, let me go back and check. My bad. I shouldn't have ignored that. But if I've never heard of it or their job title says like podcast booker, I just, I, I throw it out. Yeah. I feel bad about that sometimes. But when you get so many.
0: Yeah. You know, no, it's, I mean, it's just the sheer volume. Or yeah. you know, Maybe the first time I ever got an email like that, I'm like, oh, wow, my podcast must mean something now. And, you know, but then you just get worn down. By the by, yeah. the volume of it.
1: Yeah. And a lot of them are like they pitch the guest instead of pitching the value. And so many times it's this person has a new book out. Can they come on and talk about it? Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> I not use my show as free ad space unless <laughs> right. they're like, what's the value? What are they going to talk about? And if it's just, hey, I have a new book. like That does nothing for me. That's just giving you ad space. It has to be like a fair value trade.
0: Yeah. So, well, and, and, I, and I see a lot of these pitches are very guest centric. Like I mm-hmm. it's a turn off when I see something like so and so wants to talk about this. I'm like, okay, fine, but like in, in in the context of this, I host a podcast about mistakes. Like if there's no attempt to even make a connection to I mean, you you reached out to me through PodMatch, which is mm-hmm. a service I've Um, found um, you know a lot of value from and your your pitch was I could tell it was personal it wasn't super long it was Mm -hmm. personalized you got my attention with the teaser of the story (laughs) which I did not think was was about a tattoo on your arm right so you know
1: there's a twist
0: (laughs) (laughs) but your your pitch stood out Because I mean, at the very least you had thought about the title of my podcast and there Mm -hmm. wasn't this disingenuous copy paste of like, oh, I love the last episode with this person who talked about, and that's the title of the show. Like you, you kind of made reference to that earlier. Like the, the clumsy attempt at personalization, I think is almost more off-putting than not trying.
1: Yeah, I actually, so I saw uh, John Lee Dumas speak at a conference And he is the host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, which is a massively successful podcast. And what he talked about was how to pitch to get on a show of that caliber. Mm -hmm. So I kind of learned from him. And he said the same things like you need to make it personal. You need to grab attention. You need to add the value and even other things that you can add to give immediate value like if you left a review, go leave a five-star review of the show, screenshot it and attach it. Mm -hmm. Things like that that are just, hey, I'm more than just looking for something from you. Like, look, I just gave you this five-star review. And like things like that, they actually stand out. And people will ask me, how do you thank a podcast host for bringing you on the show? Like, should I send them a mug? Or like, what can I send them? Like, go give them a review, share their episodes, like interact with their social media anything you can do to promote them and support what they're doing is the best. Thank you. They can give.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how it seems like, um, because if if a guest has been booked through a PR firm, you would hope part of the exchange is that PR firm will do a lot to help promote the episode. And a lot of times it seems like all they do is really just the booking. That seems like that's just part of what's possible.
1: Yeah. You You would think it does get a little, um, little tricky. And this is something I just discovered because I had refused to be a booking agency for a while. So I would help people figure out how to be a good guest and then connect them to resources to book themselves. But I wasn't doing the actual booking because of how poorly I felt some of the other agencies did it. So then when I started to just like, okay, maybe I will offer this but I wanted to offer the follow-up, the repurposing, the sharing of the content. It was really hard because I could pitch to be on a show. It doesn't record for two or three months and then it doesn't release for a year. So in that case, it gets really, really hard, but that just means it's down to that guest. So if you're not still working with the agency that booked Uh, you on the show, mm -hmm. you need to take that initiative and promote that episode
0: as the guest yeah, yeah there, there's exactly. often a lag it could be weeks or months mm-hmm. between recording and uh and, and release but hey um I pulled up I want to ask one other thing um where you help people in terms of okay once you're on best ways of telling your story or stories but I did want to pull up here within podmatch um and and this was the, I forgot how succinct it was so I'm gonna just read what Sarah oh, gosh. was. Um, she just says, wow, this one hits home. I'm like, okay. She's talking about the podcast title or theme, right? She, my whole career story first told on stacking Benjamin started with an accidental penis tattoo. So I hit match.
1: <laughs> How can you ignore that? Honestly. <laughs>
0: But it didn't require paragraph. It it could have been a little longer. I'm not criticizing, but it didn't have to be pages, you know, super long pitch. You got my attention. I could tell that you had a mistake story even before we started exchanging a couple of messages. So that was right on point. And thank you for that.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for accepting. Um, With things like that, like, yes, it could be longer and I could definitely share more. But The pitch itself is just starting the conversation. So then we were able to talk more afterwards and get to know each other. We even had a pre-call and everything. So if, if anything you're focusing on in the pitch, focus on getting that attention and getting them to want to continue the conversation and just, hi, love your show, this was your latest episode, insert name here, that's not going to get attention. No.
0: Um, and I'm going to thank you. Um, some people who are just listening to the audio won't realize, but thank you, Sarah, for strategically propping my book up over your shoulder. I had sent Sarah a copy. And uh, thank you for doing the post on social media. I appreciate that.
1: Of course. And it is just more pressure for me to actually finish writing my book so I can return the favor.
0: So, um, do you have tell tell everybody then a little bit? You, you, you good job bringing up your book. You have to, right? Tell us uh, you, I, that have,
1: wasn't even supposed to be a plug. <laughs>
0: no, Hey, look, no, I'm as an as, as a as an author, I'm not going to uh, begrudge anybody mentioning their book. You have to, if you don't, right? I mean, that uh, you got to get the ball rolling. So, tell us, do you have a title in mind? Um, I
1: people? have a working title. It is "Open This Book Using Your Story to Become a Thought Leader." And it is all about how we identify the stories in our life that have value, how we tell them in a way that's compelling, and how we use those stories to present ourselves as experts and as thought leaders instead of just relying on the information. So how to stand out, how to be really authentic and your true self in the public eye while you're using your outside voice.
0: Hmm. And I like the... I'm I'm correct in detecting a double meaning on open this book. You want the reader to open it, but you're opening the book usually with a story.
1: Right? Yeah, you're um it is a command to open the book because, you know, please <laughs> please read it, but yeah. also you're trying to be an open book. So how do we become open books ourselves and people care more about who you are and what you have to say than what they could learn in a textbook? So, but if you want to learn anything about it, you have to buy the book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll have you back on where, uh, once the book (laughs) is out, please come back on and just like, do sort of like a, a no note type response. Yeah, no,
1: I'm going to go completely politician. (laughs) It's like, no, well, that's on page four. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, skip, skip to page 374. Yeah.
0: I'm not allowed to comment on pending (laughs) publication. I don't know.
1: I will be the worst guest you've ever had. <laughs> Challenge accepted.
0: <laughs> um, so again, we've been joined by uh, Sarah Lowcy. I did want to ask, though, back to your future book okay. on storytelling, um, what 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 what's the key? Do you think to like, can you take almost any story and and sort of try to extract the maximum value from it, even just like in the way you tell the story?
1: I think almost every story can be valuable if you tell it right and if you tell it to the right person. So you have to be very intentional about the stories that you tell based on who you're talking to and what you're trying to get, um, like what message you're trying to push. Because I could come on here and tell you my tattoo story because you're, you want to hear about mistakes and what came out of them. Or I could come on here and tell something completely different. But if it has nothing to do with a mistake, it could be a great story, but it's not really the point. So you have to tailor the stories that you choose to the goal. But when you're choosing those stories, focus on what you learned from the experience or what changed because of it, because those are going to be those pieces of value that the people listening can take away from it and don't get tattoos in Ireland. (laughs)
0: Um, Sarah Losey, this has been, this has been fun. Um, I appreciate the story. I don't think we got too, uh, R rated. I probably held back a couple of jokes that I should have just. Oh, left me too. With,
1: um, <laughs> I always do.
0: but you know, this is, I think a really good episode. I appreciate your story and some of the conversation here. Um, I will put links to Sarah's podcast and website and more in the show notes but I know you do have a special offer a free ebook if you want to tell people about that Sarah.
1: I do. If anyone wants to learn a little bit more about how they can use their story to build their brand whether it's a personal or professional brand, I have a free ebook called um the brand I just completely forgot what it is. Build your brand. (laughs) The eight components uh, for a personal brand that sticks and you can download it for free at favoritebrandguide.com.
0: Okay. And um, next time you come back on uh, before you refuse to answer questions about the book, I'll pick on you for the mistake that you just made. How's that?
1: Uh, I knew I'd make one.
0: Well, Sarah, I hope you don't think it was a mistake to uh, come on here. Thank, uh, thank you for, for being a guest here today. Again, uh, Sarah Losey, this has been fun. Thanks.
1: Thank you so well, much. Well, thanks
0: again to Sarah for being such a uh, interesting and fun guest today. To learn more about Sarah and everything she does, look for links in the show notes or you can go to markraben.com slash mistake231. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work, and they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com, and again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.